Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Die As Cast po- You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio podcast. Uh, my name is Griffin. I'm one of your player PCs. Thank you for taking a chance to listen to us. Uh, we got a pretty great team of players here. Uh, myself, Diego Stradle, Madeline Hunter-Smith, and of course our DM, uh, Kevin Cork. Uh, this episode pretty much is just so you can meet the characters, learn a little bit more about uh, the Midgard world, which of course has been made by Cobalt Press, and uh, we realized uh, about halfway through this episode that we hadn't actually introduced ourselves. So that's why I'm here. Uh, it's myself, Madeline, Diego, and Kevin. Uh, anyway, here is our cast of characters. Maeve Maldorava. A half-vampire misfit with a sparkly secret. After a mysterious unicorn patron revealed a devastating truth about her past on her 16th birthday, this young celestial warlock has set off from the vampire lands of Morgau in pursuit of some answers. Armed to the teeth with heavy eyeliner and black fingerless gloves, and haunted by a strange and unfamiliar apparition, Maeve is one glittery goth with a fang-sharp attitude. Hello there. My name is Chesk, and I am a piney, or tree folk, as some people would call us. One hot afternoon, I heard some humanoids roaming around the Molovos ruins. Curiosity got the best of me, and I searched through one of their bags, and I found a scroll. As I looked at the symbols, words flew out of my mouth, and I got turned into a toad. A wizard by the name of Isabella picked me up and kissed me. It worked, and she turned me back, and now she believes I am her prince. Isabella is very wise and knowledgeable about the world. She believes our encounter was performed by her god Thoth Hermes to teach me about other perspectives. I had many visions while I was a toad, but most of all, it opened up my eyes to how little my world was. All I knew was the forest. So, I made a vow to follow in Thoth Hermes' teachings and get to know the world others exist in. Here's to adventure! Salutations, all. I'm Gideon Sweets, and I'm a bear folk. Grizzlehide, to be exact, hailing from the Gosta Cliffs. If you recognize the last name, you're probably thinking of the famous thieving duo, the Sweet Sirens. Telia and Montserrat Sweets, or as I like to call them, Mom and Mom. They've been gone for some time now, stealing on some big contract, but as a rogue swashbuckler, I just couldn't keep still. So, I joined the crew of the Giant Autumn, with my good buddy, Captain Ashton Pottings. It wasn't long after that when I received a mysterious-looking package with my mom's fingers in it and some chunk of valuable-looking rock. You know, as a panda bear folk, some people underestimate me because I look so darn cute. But I'm quick. I'm quiet. I'm charming. And I'm about to bring the cannons down on whoever the hell stole the sirens. Today we are starting a brand new season... 
It's called How the Waste Was Won. It's going to be set in Midgard, and we are going to be uh, adventuring in a post-apocalyptic setting that will test your metal, test my patience, and test <laughs> our sound recording equipment. That's right. We got we got nuclear uh, devices. We got uh, ammo belts with machine gun uh, ammo. We got that one movie with Will Smith and his dog. It's full oh. post-apocalyptic now, baby. No, it has hey. none of that. That might have been one of the first movies I cried in. It's we are we are set in the wasted west. Wow, wow, wow. In Midgard. Wow, wow. wow. Yeah. Okay, get it all out. That was an eagle. We'll continue in case anybody. <laughs> yeah, you guys all get your your best Clint Eastwood. Okay, we're all good now. So, <laughs> Kevin, there's going to be this... jokes on this comedy podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just trying to get the announcement out without the constant. <laughs> Kibitzing from the Kibitzing Kobolds. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Kobold Press for sending us some of this material. Yes. Um. <laughs> the Wasted West is a post-apocalyptic area. This is an area that several hundred years ago, nine kingdoms of mages warred. There was a huge battle. There was an escalation of the use of magic. There was massive destruction, firestorms, earthquakes, those kinds of things. But the, one of the key turning points was the summoning of ancient ones. So the ancient ones are various gigantic, titanic-sized creatures, kaiju-sized creatures that thousand feet tall, huge legs pure destruction they wandered <laughs> the lands destroying cities each mage kingdom started to summon more and more of these things till eventually the war petered out because the ancient ones had effectively destroyed everything the remaining mages were unable to send these ancient ones back the most they were able to do was to time stop them so these creatures still exist as a effectively permanent part of the landscape right now. They only move a few feet a year, but they are still almost always visible on the horizon, one creature or another. Now what has happened in those intervening or in those following 400 years is that society such as it is has adapted to that so there are, there's a lot of nomadic travelers there's a lot of tribes there's a lot of merchant caravans there is uh, some villages there's not much civilization beyond sort of the village level that has sprung up in old ruins there are groups of creatures that worship these ancient ones as as gods and follow along behind them there are even uh, creatures that have created towns that are hanging off the sides of these creatures or have been built on their backs or on their heads. Sorry, hanging off the side like like hanging off like a like a rope? Like a backpack or Ooh, backpack city. a baby griffin weighing me down when I'm trying to tour Hong Kong. <laughs> That's Aww. a very specific reference. That's, That's a yeah, so real specific. deep cut. <laughs> And randomly through the thing, you realize how funny that was. And it'll 
cause an extra chuckle for you and for the list listeners. This is what my father yelled at me every time I didn't laugh at one of his jokes as a child. <laughs> yeah. You it's will laugh. Be funny in ten years. <laughs> you will laugh. Yeah. I'll bring it up later, and you'll laugh again. I do have a real question. Are they are they all land based, or are some of them in the water? The water. Most of the water sources have been dried up or destroyed, so there is no uh, major water sources. There's a few small oasises. Oasis-i? Oasis. <laughs> More than one oasis. Uh, there are a couple of air-based ones. Ooh. And Speed. they're also time-stopped? They're also time-stopped. Those would be the worst ones, right? Ooh, so they are yeah. suspended, effectively still in midair, hanging over you like like the <laughs> like tax taxes. <laughs> Nice. Oh, God. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Let me try again. Hanging over you like your father's lost expectations. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. You could have said a bad hang glider. It could have been something so simple. Hey, I I can't today. I have a date under the shadow of the ancient one. Right. That's right. That's so romantic. I love you, Becky. Meet me under the shadow of the ancient one. (laughs) Right. Except that given the size, it's really kind of like 12 city blocks. So it's really, yeah. that's still vague. It's, you, you really don't even want to meet Becky, obviously. In fact, it's more of an excuse. Absolutely. You have to find yeah. each other first. So the uh, ancient ones roam the land. They, some of them uh, still spread disease or sickness or magical destruction. So the land itself hasn't had a chance to fully recover. Civilization can't recover because these things, although they move slowly, they are um, unstoppable. So they have continued to destroy buildings as they wander over them. Or And again, they're moving slow, but it's like a, a glacier slowly crushing your city. There's just there's no way to stop it. Oh, no wow. way to <laughs> you know, fight it. Because it's... <laughs> Don't you're fight like, it. You're like fleas bending off an elephant. Shh, shh, shh. Yeah. Just, Go find it. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shh, let it happen. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just want to make sure. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into that, obviously, in more details as we go. You all are, each of your characters is going to be approaching this from a different place, obviously. We will work that out. I just want to quickly go over some of the house rules first one is for uh critical hits for critical hits uh i have a fun little table we'll use that will talk about what sort of destruction you rain down on your opponent or that your opponent rains down on you uh for critical fails uh it's the same sort of thing it's much more embarrassing much more interesting kind of hurting yourself or hurting your friends but in addition to that there is also the uh, chance that you ruin your weapon. The reason for this is that there is really no civilization here, so any weapons that exist have been brought in from outside and are all slowly beaten, eaten away, or weakened and need constant repair. Uh, so there is a chance that any weapon you have will break. Now, to counter that, Uh, I'm also going to be introducing the idea of being able to loot different kinds of creatures, different kinds of monsters, any kind of sort of non-humanoid creature you can potentially loot to create 
you know, short swords or or specialty weapons or even some high-end, high-damage weapons from harvesting off of the creatures. Like we'd make like a like a bone sword? Yeah. Oh, Woof. Oh, All right. that's cool. And like how... And do we have... We have these skills. We just know. <laughs> <laughs> we just know how. No. Yeah. Oh. You will slowly develop the harvesting skills... Uh, it plays off the various skill groups. So it's if if you're harvesting a um, if you're harvesting something off a mechanical creature, for example, you'd use your investigation skill. If you're harvesting something off a natural creature, you'd use your nature. Gotcha. But got it. A lot of these nomadic tribes also have what are effectively the weapon makers, and they are the ones that you will take this stuff to. You give them three pieces of bone, and they give you back a crossbow or whatever. So is there like money like uh there is money again it's it's not worth as much as it would be in a conventional campaign because there's going to be just a scattering of bits and pieces there's going to be some uh i i imagine some of the tribes are going to be using like circular bones they're going to be using you know carved items as money so there is going to be it's going to be more about barter and trade so i mean obviously there's still going to be gems there's still going to be because the other kingdoms still exist, so these things will come in. But it's a matter of how much you'll get for them. A, a gold piece necessar- isn't necessarily worth a full gold piece in terms of what you want. And we'll work that, that out as we go. The, sorry, the, the mage kingdoms are still around? Uh, there's a couple of that have, have survived in a modified form, ah. a lessened form. The most powerful ones, which were at the center of the lands, are the ones that are the most destroyed. It's very, uh, 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 what's the game? Shadow of the Colossus? I who oh, I love that game. Such a classic. Oh. So good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would die for Shadow of the Colossus. When you hit a critical hit, we're not rolling two dice of your damage dice. You're gonna do one maximum damage plus an additional roll. So if you if you nice. normally do a D eight, you would do eight plus a D eight roll. That's so that the critical aspect feels critical. I love that. It's a great. Well, one. I always find it really dis- discouraging when you get you know two d eight and you roll a two because you roll ones on both your eights. So this is makes it now. Of course, that also goes for your opponents for all the creatures you'll be facing. Oh, oh no, no. Yeah, no. actually, let's not. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask a little eeny meeny question. Are we using spell components? We are going to use any spell component that is over, say, 300 gold pieces. That's so good for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is not good for me either. <laughs> uh, same with arrows, same with ammo. Unless you have, like, plus one arrows, you don't have to keep track of them. So let us start with the first character, and I guess that is you, Griffin. So let's do a quick intro to who you are as a person and then who you are as a character. Sound good? Yes. My name (laughs) is Griffin Corp. And really all you need to know about me is I'm a freaking nerd. Uh, I'm the DM's son, so I'm going to be a little bit of a... (laughs) <laughs> a shit disturber because <laughs> we decided to swear which is awesome and uh, uh i'm an actor here in calgary alberta and i am playing a bear folk rogue um we haven't gotten to this level yet but i imagine i'll be a swashbuckler uh named gideon sweets 
Uh, uh, Gideon is is very is pretty short for a bear folk. Uh, he's about two, two and a half feet shorter than most bear folk uh, height that that they can achieve. It says they can grow up to seven feet, so it's oh, not you know it's not necessarily not demanded, expected. Uh, uh, I imagine Gideon is the image I had for him is a kind of uh, dress wise like a very pirate mixed with robe like I imagine like a very uh, red stripy smee shirt but with like a, a belt of daggers across it um, but also like a peppermint oh thing for sweets <laughs> uh, and then maybe like a brown jogger look and a green like skull cap like the green bandana my whole idea for Gideon was he's like kind of uh, very like anime <laughs> cherubic cute looking but with like some like a very severe facial gash or something like that, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what the artist does. Uh, uh, so Gideon comes uh, uh, from a family of rogues, Telia and Montserrat Sweets. Uh, they are uh, famous famous rogues in the in the land of Midgard. Gideon is <laughs> uh, thirty two in bear folk years, uh, but bear folks only live up to their uh, about uh, eighty. That's like early twenties, I guess, in human years. So when he was a kid. Telia and Montserrat left to steal a precious artifact. I, that's really all I had planned out. My my guess from hearing about the world is it might be one of these treasures that remain in like the remaining Magi kingdoms. And I, they warned me they were going to be gone for a few years. Uh, so I joined up with a, a pirate ship. It's a family friend of my mom's. Uh, his name is Captain Poddings, and the ship is called the Giant Autumn. Isn't Captain Poddings a hedgehog? Captain Poddings is a hedgehog, which I think is called an, an arena, I believe, in the Midgard race. Um, it's called the Giant Autumn, and uh, yeah, so he's family friends with my mom, and also all of our crew are uh, smaller in stature, oh. um, which is which is why it's so called giant. the Giant Autumn. Uh, I, I, I might be one of the <laughs> tallest people on this ship. My mothers have been gone longer than I was told they would be uh, and recently I received a package uh, with one of my mother's fingers. Oh my god. I know and a chunk of the treasure that they were sent to steal. So that's that's all I've been given. Where did you live? Uh, the bear folk have a kind of collective bear folk tribe but it's mentioned that the bear folk cubs uh, often roam to like neighboring cities and communities and kind of just expect to be fed by whatever parental figures are there. Um, so it, in terms of like the, it takes a community to raise a child in bear folk. That's what I imagine actually happened. Um, in the bear folk culture, a connection with spirit or religious connection are held kind of above all else. And these sweets are not very natural or very religious. So not that we were like, ostracized, but I, I don't know that we get along with the rest of the other bear folk. Drama. So I, I imagine we would have moved south. I am from Gosta Cliffs. No, that's good. That that gives us a, a point. Yeah, it's by the mouth of the river, so I figured that would be a good place to start. Listen to the Lucky Go Show. It's better than sliced bread. We got extras. We got more. We have everything you need. Lucky Go Show? Free V-Bucks. Right here. I'm confused. Do you want a mug? Do you want bed sheets? Do you want a happy-go-lucky shirt and a Yeti? All for free? At the end of this is a free promo code, and it can all be yours. This is the best thing ever! For a small fee of $55, plus charity tag. Hey, everybody, Daniel here. This is the Lucky Go Show, now appearing on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network. 
All right, uh, Maeve, we are coming to you. Yeah, I am Madeline Hunter-Smith. Um, I'm kind of like uh, a pretty um, boring person. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, a, I'm a playwright performer in Calgary, Alberta. And I am playing Maeve Maldarava. She is a um, 16-year-old half-vampire. Um, this is a Midgard race called Dampier. So dope. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of good at like making decisions. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maeve is a celestial warlock. Um, so she comes from a long line of of warlock vampires, highly powerful warlock vampires. Um, her deal kind of is the night before um, she was supposed to take her her patron, because that's kind of like a tradition her family has. She was visited by an aspect of a unicorn and um, revealed uh, some secrets about her her past um <laughs> and in light of those secrets she has fled uh the keep of her or the compound um whatever it might be of her uh father erasmus and who is a full uh, vampire he is a full vampire yes and has uh, set off across the waste to uh kind of uncover this secret about herself so she's kind of she's young she's really into the uh the goth aesthetic um (laughs) but um yes she this patron uh of hers is this unicorn um so she's kind of got like a bit of a bit of like the i I don't want to say sparkly because i don't want people to think twilight but she's like you know a little a little sparkly a little glittery i don't want to say sparkly but no she's she's got a little more um celestial magic to her than she would like people to know about so i think you know she's really into this kind of goth personality and and look to kind of play that down right so she didn't know that she was a celestial warlock until the celestial showed up she expected to go to this um patron ceremony get something infernal um, just like she was supposed to. We'll call it the unveiling. The unveiling. Ooh, I like that. Spicy. Like a big party and a celebration of of some evil patron or dark patron at least. You betcha. Just like she was supposed to. And then that didn't happen and she got a <laughs> glittering horse. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, My little pony. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we can't. It's my little pony. Ooh. Ooh. Run, 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 run. run, run. No, no, no. Curse, curse, curse. <laughs> but you have been traveling for a while. Yes, the unicorn. When the unicorn visited Maeve, it gave her um, kind of a cryptic message that suggested that um, Erasmus wasn't actually her father. And her real parents are somewhere else. And that kind of turned Maeve's entire world upside down. So, yeah, I guess she, she is on, on this quest kind of haphazardly. She doesn't really know what she's doing. She's only ever lived in the keep. She doesn't actually know anything about the world outside of Erasmus's scope. But she's on this quest to, to locate her parents. 
Hell yeah. Parent yeah. search. Parent search, <laughs> classic. Can I can I ask um just for somebody who will be meeting you, how apparent is your half dampier? Um, it's definitely apparent that that she is a celestial warlock. Um she's got big, huge, sparkly blue eyes. Um, so that much is pretty hard to conceal. In terms of like her actual vampirism, um, she's not entirely a fan of the sun. She is pretty pale. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't like ignite her or anything. Like she doesn't have sunlight sensitivity. But she does have to drink blood and she gets a little irritable when she hasn't. Oh, no. So, <laughs> Snickers of vampires. <laughs> just little, yeah, little things. You're not yourself when you haven't feasted. <laughs> um, yeah. So in terms of, like, actual appearance, there's not really, like, a whole lot. She does have fangs. Cool. They might be interpreted as just, like, really sharp canines. <laughs> <laughs> Roll interpretation. And that's Maeve. Thank you. <laughs> Turns into a bat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chisk. Hello, uh, my name is Diego Streddle. I am also an actor. Surprise, surprise. Um, I used to live in Calgary, which is how I know Kevin and Griffin. Uh, just meeting Madeline. Uh, right now, actually. Yeah, right this now. is our first time meeting. <laughs> um, I currently live in Vancouver, and my character's name is Chisk. Now, he is a piney. Which is also a new race from Cobalt Press. We went full Midgard. Yeah, we I just did. want to say I'm very proud of all it. of us. We really embraced it. <laughs> um, and so, for those of you who don't know, a piney just means that they are part tree, essentially. Um, so, <laughs> basically, Chisk was planted 20 years ago um, by his parents uh, in the forest that used to at some point be Margrieve. Um but yeah he was planted 20 years ago um and he uh has two siblings. He has an older brother uh called Whom. Um <laughs> <laughs> and he his kind of uh root twin his name is Rend. And so basically yeah we, we were planted by a parent. Our mom provides the seeds for the ground, and then our father kind of takes care of the land to help us grow for for as 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 nice and tall children oh, that eat we your are. Veggies. Big and strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My parents' planting is such a lovely That's image. So for some so sweet. It's a it's a whole process, yeah. you know. And they it's really it's literally do. the cabbage patch, right? <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah, a cabbage are. patch kid. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's what. That's the, <laughs> there we go. Artist, take notes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Chisk is now fully uh, grown. He's about six feet tall. So he's pretty tall. Um, he, again, has the resemblance of a tree. And oh, his parents' uh, names, uh, the father, quote unquote father, uh, is R. That's his name. <laughs> 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 My mother's name is Wee. Whom are we? <laughs> Whoa, I, you know what's funny? I did not think any of that. <laughs> I like the name Whom because it kind of sounds like the names that the tree ants say in Lord of the Rings. Don't they go like Harum Harum? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't mention that name again. I don't Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. So Chisk is, is a curious tree. 
he there are some ruins nearby the forest where I reside um, and there was some sort of rumblings of, of travelers or, or merchants um, scavengers of sorts uh, rumbling through the ruins and he got a little curious uh, went over through <laughs> through finding some of the bags he read a scroll um, that turned out to be a spell that turned him into a toad um, and <laughs> as one of the <laughs> one of the party members of this scavenger came out uh, uh, she picked up the toad and recognized that it was of some sort of sentient you know had some sort of sentience um, <laughs> this is great <laughs> took him in uh, they became good friends and she having read some sort of tales uh, kissed him <gasps> thinking that he would turn into a prince <laughs> and he turned back I turned back into Chesk so this woman is half convinced you're her prince now. My Christ oh. turned him into a tree. <laughs> My God. Yeah. This is, I cannot believe this. Okay, go ahead. All right. <laughs> so. This is chaos. Uh, Chis, Chisk and Isabella are our friends. Um, and she's, <laughs> she's, uh, she's taught him a lot about the world and made him even more curious to learn uh, things about the world. And so he's, he's kind of taken a, patron of sorts showed up in a vision in the sky um and uh, yeah he's uh he's now a cleric of of knowledge (laughs) that was quite a leap (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) because isabella is a wizard and she's kind of all about you know getting more knowledge and she's very particular about that stuff she's very great so you're you're your quote-unquote cleric god is this wizard Isabel? No, no, no. The, uh, my okay. my god is Thoth Hermes. Got it. Yeah, she she herself is a wizard, so but she would follow um, Thoth Hermes. Right. Thoth Hermes is one of the southern gods, uh, so he's less well known. But a lot of the southern gods have actually moved up in influence in the wastelands because there are a lot of desert dwellers from the south that adapt well to the wastelands better than those from the northlands and or those from the forested heavy areas. Great. Um, and yeah, that's where he is now. I think his jolt is that like most, not necessarily a jolt either, but like most pineys aren't really that religious either. And he's taken like a left turn. Yeah, and he never expected. Maybe he never even expected to to fall into this uh, religious trap or along this religious path. Except that he had these couple of things happen to him. First of all, being turned into a toad, and then discovering um, uh, these old scrolls that Isabella had been digging up or or digging up for. Isabella works for a merchant, I mm-hmm. think we said, and she um, she's sort of the archaeologist that was along with the merchant thing while they were digging, looking for, for treasure and stuff. Isabella herself was much more motivated in just finding out as much new knowledge or uncovering old knowledge as she as she can. So this was a an opportunity for her, and the fact that she kissed the toad and it turned I into love a. It. A wooden prince. I love it so much. <laughs> excellent. Well, that is an excellent mix of people. 
All right, so we will leave it there for now. Next week, we are going to come back. We are going to play out your initial introductions to everything. We are going to launch into our first adventure. Let's start playing our nerd games now. Starting now. Now. (laughs) And now. And that's it for our episode zero. Uh, Hi, it's Griffin again. We'll be releasing our episodes weekly on Saturday morning. If you're interested in learning more, I'm sure we'll set up a website very soon. A big, big thank you to Cobalt Press for making the amazing Midgard world. Thank you to the Boy King of Idaho for all of the, I mean, just phenomenal music in this episode. All of the relevant links are in the podcast description. And uh, thank you for listening. Ignore City, the audio fiction rock musical, is now part of the Fantasy Network. In this post-apocalyptic future where technology is outlawed, Devin Rimpa, a scrappy spike messenger, befriends a sentient robot head named Saner0805. She embarks on a grand adventure through Ignore City to save civilization before government agents catch up with her. It's Futurama meets the Terminator, but with singing. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and podcast platforms everywhere.